Hello and welcome to Connected episode 288. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, PDF Pen from Smile, Pingdom, and Ahrefs. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are you doing all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Just, you know, the usual. Stuck at home. Yeah. I don't know. Is it like two months that I've been here? I don't know. I lost track of time. Yeah. Time is, is slowly losing its meaning. Uh, what about you, Mike Hurley? How are you? Good, man. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out at home? Yep. Still sailing around. Oh, that's right. You made a joke about being a sailor last week. Yeah. I'm on a boat. Yeah, yeah. I don't exactly remember what I said, but I just remember that the episode name reflects it. So I figured I would uh-huh. try and expand the lore a little bit, but I should have done my research. I was really thinking we were going to get some bath follow-up, and we didn't get any. So I'll tell you what. Well, no, I think that shows you that nobody does what you do. If you are a big bath person, tweet at Mike and let him know. No, but then you're not. I'm not going to give you the information that you're looking for. Yeah, but I can look at your replies. So it's fine. How about this? If you tweet at me to tell me that you bathe, I will block you. <laughs> wow. Try me. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone who tweeted you in like this the is, eight this seconds. This is the weaponized defense to uh, this this game that we have built up over time. Now I'm getting iMessages from people saying they take baths. Stop it. Well, that's, see, that's, see, this is you brought it upon yourself. Yeah, I shouldn't give anybody my I've phone number. Decided to take such a strong stance on this because I'm I'm not interested in finding out whether people bathe or not. So we do some follow up. Yeah. Non bath follow up? Probably. Manus writes uh about trackpad support for iPad OS and games. I thought this was stop Jason, stop texting me. Now Jason is texting me. Kyle and Jason See? are both texting me saying they don't take baths. Okay. There is also a great feature that I would like to recommend to you, which is called Do Not Disturb. And it's yeah. a thing that you can implement on your Macintosh personal computer mm. uh, to to stop the notifications from bothering you. You should do that. Mm-hmm. He's just tweeting me sponge emojis. This is getting very sensual. Okay. Manus writes, do you think games on iPadOS will be able to take advantage of the native trackpad and mouse support allowing traditional game controls alongside a paired keyboard? Uh, Minecraft has been therapeutic while in quarantine. I'd love to upgrade the experience. Federico, do you have any thoughts on this? I don't see why it shouldn't be possible, so I don't see why not. I think um, all the APIs are there right now in terms of pointer control and keyboard access so if microsoft wants to update minecraft to take advantage of the key up and down events on iPadOS and the new system pointer they can do it i don't see why it shouldn't be possible in fact you can even do things like hide the pointer right like you can fully customize the shape of the pointer you can hide if you want the default uh, apple circular pointer I mean, you take a look at screens, for example. I tweeted about this a few days ago. The VNC client, um, it now lets you control a remote Mac or PC. And when you do, you don't see the, in the latest update of screens, you don't even see the native iPad pointer. You just see the remote desktop cursor. So you have developers have total freedom to do whatever they want with the pointer uh, effects and the pointer events. They can, of course, they now also have access to all the things keyboard-wise they would want to use for games. So 
I don't see why Microsoft couldn't do it. But of course, you got to wait for an update because it's not like this happens by default. The developer has to actually code in the support for these functionalities. A lot of games will benefit from the point of stuff already, right? Especially point and click type stuff. Point and click and and first person shooters also come to mind. Mm. I mean, I, I, you know, (laughs) the first person shooters on iPad tend to be like this freemium type of deals that I don't particularly appreciate, but graphically speaking, they can be pretty impressive. So, um, Maybe this is an opportunity for more game developers to actually ship like con- well not console quality but like desktop class you know interactions at least uh, again the problem is the economics of it but that's a different topic but yes functionally speaking it is possible uh, we have another question about this uh, mouse trackpad support so Tom and others I'm giving Tom credit I think they were first. They want to know what happened to the options to have multiple mouse keys do things in iPadOS 13.4. Yeah, nothing happened to them. They're still there. They're in the place that they always were, which is in the assistive touch settings. So, you know, previously any type of cursor support was added by turning on assistive touch and accessibility. And when you pair a mouse um, of, of some kind with a Bluetooth mouse of some kind, with an iPad running uh, 13.4, you can still go into assistive touch, enable assistive touch, and there is a, a menu called devices. And you click into the devices and you get each of the paired Bluetooth mice uh, that you have with your iPad. And you can go in and, and register the different clicks, like the different, you know, maybe you want to, maybe if you have one of the Logitech mice, you might have an extra button or two, or maybe you want to have something happen when you click in the scroll wheel. You can turn all of these on, and then when you leave assistive touch on, they still work, but you still benefit from the new cursor. You don't receive any different looking cursor. And you do not see any remnants of the assistive touch UI, so like that fake home button, as long as you have a pointing device connected by Bluetooth. So even if you uh, have your mouse connected, a track pad connected by Bluetooth, you take your iPad, you go into another room, using it as normal, nothing happens. The cursor disappears. You don't, and nothing replaces it. If you turn off the cursor, then you will see, like, if you, sorry, if you turn off the trackpad, you will see the old uh, assistive touch UI, but that's it. But then you can just turn it off if you want to. So really, I, I, I actually recommend people that are using mice, like actual mice, not trackpads, because it doesn't work with trackpads. If you use a mouse, you should go in and turn this on and try it out, because I have, uh, with, with my Logitech mouse, I have shortcuts to go to the home screen by clicking in the uh, scroll wheel um, and using the other buttons on the mice on the mouse that I bring up the dock and stuff. Um, don't do anything to the right click would be my uh, would be my recommendation. But if you do, there is a there is a new option which wasn't there before. So previously, I would have suggested that people used the right click on a mouse and map it to the button which says uh, long press mm-hmm. uh, because that would give you what I felt was kind of like a right click experience. Whilst this still exists, Apple has added a new option called secondary click, and that's what you want to to be able to skip the animation of a, of a long press. So there are all of my top tips on using uh, mice and buttons with iOS 17.4. 
It's nice that there's still that it's still possible to like that it's possible to mix and match the the. Oh, I was pointer. super bummed out when I thought that they'd taken that away because I really like when I'm using a mouse being able to still use effectively gestures but mapping them to buttons. Mm. Um, so I kind of just went in and found it. And it was great and turn it on and you really there's just there's no downside when you're using the device. Like nothing is nothing looks wrong. Yeah, the reason I, I stopped using the mouse is that the I have a magic trackpad and the gestures are just so good, the multi the multi-touch ones to navigate uh, mm-hmm. the OS UI. Like they're super well done. And yeah, and great. I find it I find it easier to remember gestures than to remember the, the buttons. I don't know. Um it's also I really like the trackpad, it's it's big enough, you know, and it just I I even I'm even using it like when I work with the iPad at the kitchen table. Right, without having the iPad be connected to an external display at my desk, but like the iPad with the smart keyboard and the trackpad next to it, it's super good, super well done. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess it's just easier for you to just reach to the left than it is to reach up to the screen. I keep the trackpad the on the right, but yes, oh, wherever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, yeah. it's it's easier. Yes. How dare you? I'm a right hand side person. <laughs> I, I, I don't use the hand of the devil like you, Mike. Wow. I have my trackpad on my Mac on the right. Uh, I am left-handed, and I consider that a slight to my people mm-hmm. to say something like that. But you know. Mm-hmm. 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 What was the episode of Cortex about? Whether you were right-handed or not. Oh, there's, it's a multiple thing. It's like a multiple episode arc where it's what is it that I am? What was the conclusion again? Uh, that it, I you... am multi-handed, of AKA hand confused, but not uh, like what was the other word like um, the people use ambidextrous. Yes, that one. Yeah, but ambidextrous is if you can write with both hands, which I can't. But I am multi-handed because I do some things with my left hand and some things with my right hand. And I wish that you wouldn't have brought that up. Because <laughs> now it's back in there, everybody's mind again. The chat room is going crazy. <laughs> I am sorry. I will I really block am, you. I really am not. Now. Okay, block everybody. Mm-hmm. We have one more iPad question. There's a lot of iPad questions. I think people are just kind of... It's an exciting time. Yeah. People are exploring keyboards and trackpads. and So Corey writes... If you use an iPad with an external keyboard, how can you invoke voice to text? Is there a keyboard command? The smart keyboard folio and the upcoming magic keyboard do not have buttons to invoke the microphone. I find this annoying and odd. Yes, Corey, there is not, unfortunately, a keyboard shortcut to enable dictation, which is, uh, what's what did you say, annoying and odd. Yes, I agree, it is. If you want to use dictation while having an external keyboard, in this case a smart keyboard folio, or the upcoming Magic Keyboard, you need to show the software keyboard again. And you can do this by usually by long pressing the uh, downward-facing arrow uh, in the bottom right corner of the iPad display. You long press that arrow, you will show the software keyboard again, and from there you can tap the screen and tap the microphone icon. It is honestly kind of silly that there is no keyboard shortcut for this. Some third-party keyboards... I believe maybe the Bridge keyboard, they have a dedicated uh, dictation button. Correct. But that is like mm-hmm. a custom thing that they can do. Uh, software-wise, there is no system-wide keyboard shortcut for this. 
I've always wondered about this, though. How are they doing that? There must be some kind of keyboard shortcut, surely. Well, it's How not are they a, doing it? It's not a keyboard shortcut as much as a keyboard event that the keyboard passes to the system, right? The keyboard shortcut would need to be something that Apple bakes in. Because What's, it's like... How, but, like, I don't understand what the difference is between a keyboard event and a keyboard shortcut. Because the keyboard manufacturer has, like, each key... And I'm simplifying things here. But like each key is like a code that the operating system understands. And so if you're a manufacturer, you can make a keyboard. And when you press that key, it sends a code to the system. And the system knows, okay, this code like 0100 means enable dictation. The Hmm. keyboard shortcut is like an actual OS feature that is exposed to users that lets you press a combination of keys and something happens. But that needs to be done by the... Uh, by Apple. Yeah, I was hoping that Apple were going to have more keyboard shortcuts available. Like, I want a keyboard shortcut to bring up emoji. Yes. Right? And I know that there's the globe key thing, but that's not what I want. (laughs) Right? Like, Because the globe key is just like, oh, now we're like cycling through all the keyboards, which is not what I want. Um, And the same, like I wanted to be able to uh, remap my escape key to the home, to go home. But that also is not a thing that I can do. Something that I really wanted to, to do... Uh, was to remap the command and option keys on the right side of the keyboard to something else because I never, for some reason, I never ever used command and option on the right side. Always, I, the... I, I had a theory about this. This came up on Upgrade a while ago. It's, yeah. I think it's because most of the things that you are doing with command are on the left-hand side of the keyboard, right? Like select all, save, copy, paste, right. cut. They're all there. So right. I, I am very similar. I never use the command key on the right-hand side. Well, very rarely. Maybe if I'm like command return or something. But that's mm. not that often compared mm-hmm. to how much I'm using the one on the left. I'll use the one on the left for everything except like to send something. Yeah. Yeah, and I would love to remap it, right? But it's not possible in 13.4 because there's no distinction between left and right versions of command and option, for example. Yeah. So that's too bad. Uh, But no, uh, unfortunately, Corey, uh, no keyboard shortcut for you. I'm sorry. There does seem to be a keyboard shortcut to bring up the emoji keyboard, though. So it's like it's not out of the realm of possibility that they add something. Is there a keyboard shortcut to bring up the emoji keyboard on iOS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if is it? It, it is. It's the isn't the globe key? Control yeah, space not... bar on a Bluetooth keyboard. So I guess you got to use a not the smart keyboard. But if you're using a Bluetooth keyboard, at least. Oh you have it. yeah, the control space bar. Does it bring up the the keyboard switcher? I don't know. Really? This article is also four years old, so it could be gone now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it brings up the keyboard switcher, which is the same as the globe key, which is not what I want. Right. right. Like, I just want to bring up emoji. Like, the I don't emo- want to have to cycle through stuff. Right. I mean, I also have the Italian keyboard, so it is sometimes useful to cycle through keyboards. But what they should really do is just an emoji shortcut, like on the Mac, with emoji search. But emoji search needs to be better than emoji search on the Mac because emoji search on the Mac is terrible. I remember Jeremy Burge had an article about this maybe last year or two years ago at Emojipedia about like the system that Apple is using to let you to let you search emoji on the Mac. And there's like some weird 
Like sometimes you search for something and you find it. Other times, even with the obvious word for an emoji, the Mac search feature cannot find it at all. So they should do it all from scratch and have a proper emoji picker with a keyboard shortcut that takes you directly into the emoji keyboard and where there's a search feature that lets you search for everything like they have the system in place when you type something with a quick type keyboard usually you can find an emoji suggestion for it like i don't know pizza or you know smile or something like that and why not let me do the same like those suggestions let me use them for emoji search I don't, it's, it's like apple cares so much about emoji until it comes to actually using emoji and then it <laughs> doesn't care like slack Right. Yeah, the company mm. like made Emoji its brand and they still haven't updated apps or anything. They're always one full set of emoji behind. Yeah. Why? Like what are you bananas. doing, Slack? Yeah. When they're not they're not custom designing them. I don't get it. I don't get what their situation is. Maybe we should all switch to Microsoft Teams. Maybe we should. Instead. Maybe we should. I hope not. I don't know. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it might be good. We haven't tried it. I don't know. I don't know. Mike has a Windows PC now, so I do. I have two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has two. <laughs> That's two more than I, than we do in my in my house. So mm-hmm. we have one last bit of iPad follow up. Mike, do you want to walk us through this uh, imaginary iPad question? Well, the question is real, but it's about an imaginary iPad. Yeah, Casper sent us this. Basically, would you buy this iPad? And it's just a, okay. a feature list, which was just exciting to me. So I just wanted to read it. So late 2020 iPad Pro starts at $22.99. So incredibly expensive. But why? Because it would have an A14 system on the chip, micro LED with a matte display, 8 gigabytes of RAM, uh, storage options up to 2 terabytes, 5G cellular, 30 watt charger, 16 inch screen. The, uh, <laughs> I don't think this is too expensive for these specs. Like I would, no, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Once I get through the specs, I think it's fine. But like, this, my point is, when I say that number, that's a very expensive iPad. That's right, like twice right. the price of an iPad. But you've yeah. got like some very serious stuff in here, and do, I, I don't think we get all of this. I don't, I think honestly, I think that a, an iPad launching later this year would have all of this except a matte display and a sixteen inch. Yeah, yeah, and I would totally get it. Yeah, the answer is yes. But but a a regular sized iPad is not going to come in at that price. Yeah, like, no. But I would still, but I would buy that exact iPad for sure. It'd be great. I love that he used the name A fourteen Y. You like the sign of that? I, like, I cut out y. what he said, which is just A fourteen Y, and then in brackets because why not? Like, just, <laughs> perfect. Just perfect. Like, so. But yeah, I would. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, look, we all know the most ridiculous thing about this iPad is the five G support. Sure, you are. You are. I know you're doubling down on this, but like every day, it gets worse for you. Like Blizzard, there was a story yeah. today that I sent to our group chat, which was Foxconn talking to their like um, investors and saying that five G iPhone production <laughs> is still on track. Like they're just saying everything they can to make people feel good, but they know it's mm-hmm. going to have a five G five G chip in it. They're referencing it as the five G iPhone. You're in trouble, my friend. Mike, this is going to be the year of Mike. It's going to be great. Uh, well, we've got a lot of stuff to get through this week, but why don't we take a break here and talk about our first sponsor? Go for it. This episode of Connected is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends over at Smile. 
PDF Pen 11 is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac. It lets you edit text in your documents, including in tables, which is really awesome. Its library lets you store graphics you commonly use for things like signatures or watermarks or company logos you can add really easily. Plus, it has shapes for drawing, proofreading marks, stamps, and you can mark documents as read, confidential, and a whole lot more. PDF Pen supports Apple Script, so you can automate actions on your Mac, and it supports macOS Catalina with PDF Pen for iPhone and iPad supporting iOS 13 and the Apple Pencil. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Look, if you do any work with PDFs, you need to check out PDF Pen. It's going to make that work a whole lot better. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast right now. Our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show and Relay FM. I want to give an update on Mac Madness, if you guys will permit me. Mm-hmm. So we are, as we're recording this, are in the middle of voting in the final round. The final round is the Retina MacBook Pro from 2012 to 2015 against the G4 Cube. As I speak right now, uh, there have been 2,434 votes so far. If you haven't cast your vote yet, there'll be a link in the show notes to go do that. Now, last week, you guys spoke about what you thought could be in the final. And uh, I I don't remember what you said, but how are you feeling about this final matchup? I don't think I did say, but I thought that it was going... I, I I believed that either the Black MacBook or the G4 Cube would win. Yeah, I thought the Black MacBook would make it to the finals. Like, I was super wrong about... Well, I was not wrong in my heart about my favorite picks. <laughs> I was wrong about the ho- I was wrong about the outcome. I cannot be wrong about my feelings, though. Uh, I'm, I'm happy point, that the cube won because I was a yes. white MacBook person, not a black MacBook mm, person. Interesting. So I didn't want that one to win. So I I will put it on the record that I have no idea what the G4 cube does or. Like what the problems were. It was a horrifically flawed machine in many ways. Yeah, which it is overheated. Kind of hilarious. It was really expensive. Yeah. But it's a cube. Like it's a, it's a computer in a cube. It should win because it's a cube. It's like an like it should win. The Nintendo yes. GameCube, for example, was a flawed console that you know failed. Maybe not failed miserably, but it failed. And I still love it with all my heart because anything that goes into a cube gets automatically upgraded you know in my feeling scale it is it's a cube it's a computer in a cube it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful shape i'm gonna say what no one else is saying the 2012 to 2015 retina macbook pro is not that good of a machine it's only good in hindsight whoa it's good in hindsight People love that machine because what came after it was so bad. So, like, now everyone holds it, like, higher in their minds because I it's, mean, like... Marco Arment called it the best laptop ever made, which is strong words. Right, but that's, but, but that's fine because things typically get better as they get, like, as they continue, right? So, like, yeah. it was the best because the one that came after it was worse. But I bet that he would say that the 16-inch is better than that one now. So, like, in th- I don't think the MacBook Pro from 2012 to 2015 should win. Like, I, I don't think that that should be the winner of this. Uh, I think the G4 Cube should win because it's the most fun out of what the two that's left. I think it, the whole thing would be kind of just, like, 
Yeah, like after all this, like after all this, a boring <laughs> laptop wins. Like exactly. it's just literally enough. People love this MacBook just because it's what they cannot have anymore. It's like if you start a diet and the doctor tells you, "Well, you can't eat sugar anymore," and suddenly you miss sugar so much. You're like, "Oh my god, do I miss sugar?" But sugar is not good for you. It's like this computer is just boring, and people love it because oh, it had the you know the keyboard and all that, which I get, I understand, but honestly. Like, sure, it made it this far because people had such. I don't think people loved it that much when it was actually like they the really computer. didn't. Right? It was yeah, like there were complaints about it, right? That it was behind on the Intel processors. The trackpad was weird. Like, oh my god, yes. Oh, this it, this computer was what bred like the initial groundswell of hate towards the fact that Apple was letting things go on the mm-hmm. Mac line. Yep, and you're, and you're right. The Thunderbolt 3 MacBook Pros is what puts this one on a pedestal, right? And then Marco got yeah. it tattooed on his calf and everyone got excited. Well, let me let me tell you a quick the we talked about the black MacBook. So the the percentages ended up being 53.3% for the Cube, 46.7 for the black MacBook. So the Cube won by, you know, 6 points or so. But the Retina MacBook Pro versus the clamshell was a landslide, 63.2 to 36.8%. Whilst I am upset about that one, I do understand it because the clamshell wasn't as good as the iMac G3. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's also not good, right? It's favorite. And so I think the reason I was so surprised that the like the iMac G4 and the iMac G3 and the 12-inch PowerBook didn't make it very far is because I thought they were more like cult favorites. Mm. And I think some people voted as best and not favorite, and that's why we ended up with this sort of duality in the bracket, which is all super fascinating. Like I love that it's that people are like up in arms about it because it's, it's at fun. At the same but. time, I can imagine that a lot of current owners of that MacBook Pro like they love that machine and they hold on to it so close because they they don't want to have gotten one of the bad ones. It's like the iPhone SE, right? There's people still hanging on to it even though they probably shouldn't much longer. Yeah, and it's like objectively not a good phone based on modern standards. Mm-hmm. But there's like you you hold on to it because it you don't want to let go of Touch ID or you don't want to let go of the size or the design or like whatever it ends up being. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's like for me with old old versions of macOS, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you can take my high Sierra away from me, <laughs> from my cold dead hands, you know. Right. This has been a really weird experiment that you have produced. <laughs> it's 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 wild. There's a real dichotomy going on in your audience, Stephen. On one hand, there's boring people. On the other, there's fun people. Like, mm. folks who are voting for a cube, a cube computer. It doesn't get any more fun than that. And then there's the laptop people. Like, it's, I guess it's a real metaphor of life. There's fun and boring people out there. And this is reflected in your votes. You heard it from Federico first. If you vote for the MacBook Pro, he will block you. <laughs> I will not block you. I will judge you in my head, but I will not block you. He will block you out of his mind. <laughs> I don't share. Yeah. I don't. I don't only share percentages. You know. I don't even know who voted for what. Right. It's all completely anonymous to me. Next week on this show, I want to go through every round with you. Okay. And see how you would have voted because you've not spoken about it yet. Oh yeah, you haven't spoken about your votes. Okay. I haven't spoken. Okay, I was going to do that in my video, but I will hold that for the show. Okay. Thank you. I'm writing it down. Okay. 
because then we can maybe go in because i would also like from your mind for you to try and explain why you think things went the way that they did okay if it's not the way that you would have had it go oh that's good okay thank you for the heads up i will prepare some notes i I really want the cube to win i really want the cube to win too and see the reactions of all-time mac people (laughs) no but i I think all-time mac people i reckon are more likely to want the cube to win because so? there's this bit, there's been this thing, like this undercurrent Uh-oh. of like <laughs> more long-time Mac people Generational who are getting divide. super mad at this and blaming the kids. Right? This is this thing. <laughs> I got into it, John Syracuse, and I was like a couple of days ago. Another metaphor of life. <laughs> that there's this thing about like, oh, these kids these days, they don't know what they're voting for. So I think all-time Mac people are more likely to go for the cube because it's the only old Mac left in this lineup. Mm. Right. So I think what has happened here is that the audience today, just by nature of the way that like time and life works, is made up of more young people than old people. So therefore, <laughs> there are more modern Macs. How's the cube in the final then? Because Steven didn't seed them properly. <laughs> <laughs> so many random of seating. the problems are based on the fact that Stephen chose random seating. I have said this, I think, three weeks in a row now, that if Stephen ever does this again, he needs to seat them properly, <laughs> not randomly, because we could have avoided so much of this by seating them right. Um, but Stephen was rushing, he randomly seated, and that's why we are where we are. <laughs> It seemed like the only fair way to... I, I did do this in a hurry because it was an idea and then a thing like four hours later, but... The clamshell iBook G3 and the iMac G3 should yeah, not, should have, not been have been on the same side of the bracket. Yeah, there are right? definitely situations in here that could have been better. But, <laughs> you know, random also meant that I couldn't put my preconceived notions into it. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into this next week. No, but your preconceived notions are like logic and knowledge like that's what that gives that's why such a thing as seeding exists right like you do these things so then you don't end up with like the two tennis players most likely to win facing off against random people on the same side of the bracket which means that what should be the final ends up as the semi-final and then everyone's mad like the g4 cube and the black macbook could have been the finalists right like there's a world that was very possible and the random seeding dictated it couldn't happen. If you would have seeded these properly, those two would never have gotten to the final. Mm, maybe. Maybe the black MacBook, mm. the G4 Cube would not yeah. have. Well, it beat the, the like, 13-inch MacBook Air. No one really loves the G4 Cube that much. No one loves that computer that Strong much. But now with it's that. the final. It's <laughs> right? a cube. I think. I also think young people relate to the cube. Sure. sure. I think it's. I think it speaks to to a certain simplicity that we could all use in these days. It's a cube. Like it doesn't, you know, it's just a cube with an Apple logo on it. It's it's beautiful. It's a simple, beautiful object. I mean, look at it. And, and it's sort of romantic of the Steve Jobs era. Right. I think a lot of people yeah, who, who are younger maybe only got the tail end of that. And, you know, they view this with with uh, some sort of love. I wonder, though, because like people look at it this way, where like the G4 cube was to Steve Jobs that the trash can Mac Pro is to Tim Cook. But yeah, I don't think people will look romantically back at the <laughs> no, no. Trashcan Mac Pro. No, because also think... when you say that, even if you try to say that with affection, well, you're going to say like, oh, it's a trash can. No, it doesn't quite <laughs> sound <laughs> That's nice. true. That's true. You know? 
I kind of want to buy a cube, you know, and just just good luck. Put it on my desk. I mean, you can buy one, but it's gonna look like trash because all the, the acrylic cracked. And can you kind? Can you like modify it and put like a modern mech inside? Oh yeah! For a long time, there were people who were like hacking them together, doing stuff. It was a real scene for a while. I kind of want to put a Raspberry Pi inside a G4 cube. The insides of a Mac Mini could fit inside of that case probably mm. pretty well, I bet. Imagine that. God, how great would it be if you could put an Apple TV in one of those? Oh, my God. It'd be and easy. have it sit next to your television? It's super easy. I bet you could just fit it in there. Like, you wouldn't even need to do anything. You just take the hard drive out and you're good. <laughs> just put it inside. Oh, my God. So, anyway, go Cube. Vote for the Cube. Yeah, go Cube. There's one G4 Cube on sale right now. 295 bucks or best offer. That's actually pretty good. Hashtag go cube. Yep. I, I won't share where the voting is right now, so I don't want to tip it one way or the other, but go vote. And voting will end uh, on Thursday, April 2nd. I'm going to do a video that'll come out Friday the 3rd showing the winner, and the next week we'll do the postmortem here on Connected. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. And no matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing may be, they're going to bounce if your website is loading too slowly. We've all been in that situation. But with real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitor's experience. So you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they're using. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built to scale, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the offer code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of this show and RelayFM. Federico, last week we spoke about some very specific audio issues. Uh, (laughs) How is that going? Uh, It went... And I cannot believe that I'm saying this exceptionally well. It's ri- this is ridiculous. Like, it's like, I can't believe that this, that this happened. I can't believe that this happened. <laughs> I got but at the same so time, I'm also not surprised. Right? Which is weird. Right? I know. I got so many tweets, like on the same day and also throughout the week. Got a bunch of DMs, got a bunch of emails. Some people actually went out. Some folks who had the same Sony Walkman that I have that actually went out and tested multiple apps for me. Like it's been incredible and I have been sent tons of recommendations, but let's start from the basics. So last week I asked on the show whether it was possible for an iPad Pro, the 2018 model that has a USB-C port to output over USB-C high resolution audio to an external Sony Walkman 
which is a high-resolution music player that can serve as an external DAC, as a digital-to-analog converter. And I needed this because I wanted to listen to my music collection, which I own in like my favorite albums in the FLAC format. Some of them in like in different um, beat rates and all of that, but usually like in 48 or 96 kilohertz, in 16 or 24 bit. And I also have some DSD music, which is another high resolution, lossless, um, high fidelity format. I asked, is it possible from an iPad Pro? to find a music player that can output high-resolution audio without compression, without changing the, the bit rate, to an external DAC over USB. And I asked because when I tested with Plex, with the Plex app, because this music library, in addition to being stored on an external SSD, it's also mirrored to Plex. And when I tried with Plex, I discovered that all of my FLAC files were being downsampled to 48 kilohertz. This is something that came into my mind after the last episode that you may have covered, but I may have not caught. The The Walkman that you are using, the, the DAC that you are talking about is your Walkman, right? Yes, yes. The Walkman is okay. also a DAC. As a, it's got a... But the, the Walkman can store the music oh, yeah. that you're talking about. Yes, yes, you can. So what is the use case for wanting to not to, to play this stuff from the iPad? When I want to manage my cue and the playback from the iPad. Because the walk right, the okay. Walkman has all my music, right? That's not an issue. But the like it cannot create playlists, for example. It doesn't have a, a cue feature. Right, it's just you browse an album and you pick a song or you play the entire album and and that's it. And I wonder maybe for those times when I actually want to create a playlist or put specific songs in my queue, it's probably preferable to use an iPad and to use the Walkman as a pass through, basically. Okay. And I asked last week because with Plex I noticed that all my music files were being downsampled. I didn't like that. I wonder. Is it like a technical limitation that the reason why this is not possible? Because if things are being downsampled, it's pointless to use FLAC in the first place. You may as well just go with high quality MP3 and be done with it. Right, exactly. Like, like I'm I'm paying for you know high resolution music in certain formats, and I don't want to be in a situation where yes, you can use the iPad, but everything gets compressed. Um, so the answer is well, this is not a technical limitation of the USB-C port of the iPad Pro or the Lightning port of the iPhone because both ports actually support high-resolution audio as output. That is not the problem. The, the port itself is not the problem. The problem is the app that you use to um, send audio from your device. Again, the iPhone also works. From your device to an external DAC. Uh, Plex, I, you know, after the episode, I did some research and it turns out that a bunch of people are in fact complaining about the fact that Plex for iOS and iPadOS downsamples everything and it's limited to 48 kilohertz. It's being widely complained about in the Plex forums. I bet lots of things are widely complained about in the Plex forums. Yes, yes. <laughs> I imagine the Plex forums are just a series of complaints that are wide. <laughs> it, it, turns out that there's a, it turns out that there's a whole market out there, like this, as usually in the audiophile world, there's a whole 
uh, scene and niche out there of like high-resolution music players for iPhone and iPad. I had no idea this existed, and this has been a real, a real lesson this week from connected listeners. Um, I was sent a bunch of recommendations. I went out and bought all of them on the App Store. Like I purchased all of them. Um, I have some takeaways for you guys. Most of these apps are terribly designed. Like honestly, <laughs> that is again not surprising honestly, to me at all. This week I have seen some of the worst user interfaces I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like you remember, I don't know, Winamp skins think yeah. uglier than that. Yeah. Right? And I'm talking yeah. about like uh, interfaces that were clearly designed by audio engineers. <laughs> And you don't want an audio engineer to design an interface <laughs> for you. You were sending us these, and I thought they were fake. I was like, how could you make something that looks this wild uh, on know, iOS? Or they just they looked like they were apps that were made maybe like seven years ago and not touched, but that wasn't the case. But, and, it's, and it's so strange because it does look like that. It does look like these apps were made in like 2011. But then you look at the release notes and you're like last update two weeks ago and you're like what Mm. like you're still working on this app and it looks this ugly Uh, and some of them are a bunch of typos like by a bunch i mean a lot of typos or maybe they didn't have like a like an onboarding process at all but the real takeaway is the fact that a lot of these music players assume that you're going to sync your music collection your music files to your iphone or to your ipad like actually transfer them via USB from a computer. And again, I think this is because these apps were initially released years ago when it was normal to sync your music and they were never updated. Whereas what I wanted was a music player that allowed me to stream my music collection from a drive on my local network, right? That's what I wanted. And so I continued my research. And I can mention some of these examples before I talk about my picks. Um, so there's uh, the Onkyo player. So Onkyo is very popular, actually, like um, uh, high-fidelity music website. They also have a music store. Um, Onkyo player is otherwise like actually pretty well-designed, but it's iPhone only. So it doesn't have an iPad version, and it doesn't have uh, any way to stream music from a local server. Again, it assumes you're going to sync your music uh, to your device. The and I'm a, like I'm really sorry because maybe the developers are actually spending a ton of time on this, but you know their UIs are kind of insane and like they really need some visual rethinking. Uh, I don't know. Is it called Nay? Oh, what is wrong with the play button? Knee player or N- it's N E player basically the name Knee player Knee player. Um, it's got a really wild UI that I struggle to understand. So I bought the app and, and I didn't know what to do with it. I think I managed to navigate my way through the app to the point where I realized, oh, NayPlayer also does not let me stream from a local web server, from a local drive on my, on my network. So that was not it. Uh, this is actually kind of popular because I started, of course, Googling around when I realized, oh, high-resolution players actually exist on the iPhone. So I started Googling uh, f- by restricting my search to well-known 
audiophile websites, like, for example, What iFi is one of them. And I found on their forums that a bunch of people were recommending this app called Kaiser, Kaiser Tone. And Kaiser Tone is very popular, but it's also kind of ugly. And it also does not let me stream from... Uh, from a local server, the the icon is also something Quote, else. Very popular. Well, it's it's kind of it's kind of popular in that community, you know. Yeah, look at this website. Look at the icon. I would say look, this look. app isn't of all the ones that you said so far. This is the best looking one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, right. We'll talk about my pick later. <laughs> in a, right. In no, a, but the ones you've shown so far of Onkyo and Niplayer. I think this one is the best looking. Yeah, maybe because so it's the simplest. <laughs> maybe, although I mean, look at the look at those apps or screenshots, <laughs> right? Have you have you oh, seen? Oh no, I know the screenshots are bad. <laughs> like I, I'm like I can see that enriching but, music know. selection view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like New Player has one of the weirdest. No, not the New Player. New Player looks like it was just made out of storyboards, like ba- basic <laughs> ones. Onkyo has one of the weirdest play buttons I've ever seen. It's like mm. super skinny. Oh, let me take Very a look strange. again. What's Onkyo like? Very strange. Like the the play controls are like really squished down. The, yeah, it's the it's the weird one. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Also, it's called. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah, it's squished. I, I totally forgot mm. about the play button. Uh, so anyway, moving on. I was also sent this other app called Fubar Two Thousand. <laughs> That doesn't sound real. Oh my god. Why? (laughs) I'm not kidding. The name is Uh, a freeware audio player for Microsoft Windows. That's why it's called that. Released in 2002, which is funny because it's 2000. There is. So, Fubert. 2000 mobile so it's a different <laughs> look at these app store screenshots the icon is an alien for some reason uh, <laughs> hold on uh fubar this is the worst looking one <laughs> this is the worst looking one fubar lets you choose your appearance uh, at setup and again it's based on the assumption that you're going to transfer your music either via usb or like using itunes itunes is not even around anymore alternatively alternatively you can transfer your music using ftp which mm. i mean fine i can access my mac mini over ftp or tune fusion and i really don't know what tune fusion is still it doesn't stream <laughs> your music Am I looking at the right one? I've put it in the chat room. Is it the one with the alien? <laughs> this app is nothing. <laughs> this app is there's nothing. <laughs> what are you looking at? Is this it? <laughs> this is, this I put is it in the chat room. <laughs> That's it. That's Fuba. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. You can but, upload your own skin files. <laughs> but, oh but my god. Then, then again, though, you look at the specs. And it says it can play a bunch of formats, comes with gapless playback as like it can stream. This is my issue. It supports playback and downloading music from UPnP media servers. I don't have a, this is UPnP is universal plug and play. It's a system for connecting to like uh, NAS and other types of media devices. I don't have uh, any UPnP devices. I just have an SSD connected to a Mac mini, right? 
And also, I mean, you know, you look at the icon and it's called Fubar 2000. It doesn't exactly <laughs> spark a ton Instill of confidence. confidence, you know. So, um, moving on. Uh, let's see what is left in my list. Okay, so we got the good stuff now, right? So, again, I'm going to leave my pick as the last one. I just want to mention the uh, this is actually very pretty and very well done i mentioned it last week i don't want to use it but for the purpose of this section i signed up for um the monthly plan again just for one month so uh the service is called kobus i'm not sure if that's the right word kobus yeah i'm gonna go with kobus uh it's a music streaming service i just want to let all our listeners know that you will never find this with the way it's pronounced by anybody it's q-o-b-u-s b-u-z z kobus kobus i wouldn't know how to say it i wouldn't know how to say it but no one's ever finding it by searching it so what what are we setting on kobus or kobus go with whatever you want i don't think kobus i'm gonna go with the with the european spelling it's both a music music streaming service and a music store where you can buy music in high resolution format. I've used it a bunch of times. It's really well done. The the app it's, this looks good. It looks very good, and they have a variety of plans. And if you want, there's a really expensive studio tier that lets you listen to high resolution twenty four bit uh, flak music, and it's thirty dollars a month. So. It's very expensive, oh. but for res- for science, I signed up for yeah. a single month again, and I was able to confirm that, in fact, it can output the iPad app and the iPhone app. It can output the exact same um, source format from the iPad and iPhone to my Sony Walkman over USB and over Lightning. So that was my confirmation. And if I didn't have a Walkman, right? If I didn't have like my personal music collection already, and if I really wanted to listen to high resolution format music from a streaming service, I would probably consider it. Consider it. But as I mentioned last week, I don't want to pay for a mo- another, you know, $30 monthly subscription. No. But not when this project is about owning exactly, the music, exactly. right? Like that's part of it. Yeah. We get to my pick. Okay. This app was recommended by a lot of people. Oh, dear. And in fact, if you go to the website for this app, it's called Neutron. Neutron Music Player, the website is uh, neutronmp.com. Oh, better it go. Some of this does not get better, my friend. Wow. I am here to <laughs> tell on. you that Neutron <laughs> is represents... You know, in the, in the, let me check my references here. We're going to take a detour now. In ancient Roman religion, (laughs) in ancient Roman religion and myth. (laughs) In ancient? (laughs) Janus is the god of beginnings. Hold on. on. Janus is the god of beginnings, gates, transitions, and hold on, duality. Is usually depicted okay. as having two faces, since it looks to the future and to the past. Now I'm here to tell you that Neutron is the genus of high-resolution music players. <laughs> 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 Neutron is. 
I had no idea that the same app could be at the same time the ugliest man-made creation I've ever seen in a music player and an absolute marvel of an audio engine at the same time. So Neutron is... I mean, you look at the screenshots and I would especially, especially recommend you look at the iPad screenshots and you will see that Neutron is not the prettiest kid on the block. Oh, God, that's so bad. Oh, no. It's just a big iPhone app. Like, but in square, oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> Neut- ne- neutron, oh, ne- neutron. Let's just face it. Let's just, neutron <laughs> is ugly. Oh, okay, it's it's, it's, it's bad. real it's bad. Real bad. And you use it in landscape yeah. on the iPad Pro, and the UI is all stretched out, and the icons are kind of blurry, and there's way too many settings that you could configure to tweak the interface even though it's not really needed like i don't want to adjust the background colors of the sliders like just give me an actual ui i feel like uh, i feel like when an app looks like this like if you're gonna make it look like that give me everything possible to try and make it palatable to me and if that means changing the backgrounds i thought the same and i tried but it doesn't really change anything that's the problem (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> None of them work. It's all varying levels of worse. worse. <laughs> it's like turns out they already picked the best ones, and this is what you got. But <laughs> I like the incomprehensible icons on yeah. the top row. I yeah, still, I'm still do? trying to figure out what they do. I one of them <laughs> takes you back to the now playing screen, and that's the one I. <laughs> what? I think I think my favorite one is <laughs> my favorite one is the Q button like in the list like what what button why does it why does it why does it look oh like so that? the Q the Q button with the arrow the Q, the, li, the 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 list yeah. with the arrow yeah. takes you back to the file manager the now the play button <laughs> takes you back to the now playing screen some and I'm still trying to understand sometimes <laughs> like if you open settings sometimes to confirm a setting you need to tap on a check mark other times you need to tap on the x button uh-huh. and I'm still not sure if they do different things so again the yeah. UI could use not just a little love a lot of love this is a neutral needs to be loved yeah. again but and here's why I not kidding. I put this app on my home screen. New- oh, Neutron go is incredible for what it does with high-resolution audio. It does e- literally everything I wanted and even more. So, the basics. It can let you. It lets you stream music from any kind of network source. SMB, UPnP, DLNA, FTP, WebDAV, all of them. You can stream That's from good. everything. Yeah. I just needed to put in, in a very confusing UI, to be fair, the credentials for my Mac Mini, and I was able to connect, and it did an initial scan of my thousands of um, FLAC files, and then the, you know, the, um, 
whenever there's a, like if I download a bunch more music, I can go into the settings and say scan for new music files. So that's very well done. To my knowledge, Neutron is the only high resolution music player that can do this. So stream from uh, from a network source and at the same time support high resolution output via USB or Lightning to an external DAC in all the possible file formats with all the possible bit rates. So we're talking 16, 24-bit audio. We're talking native DSD playback. So DSD is a super high-resolution format. This app does it all. Like, if you go to the website, and if like if you're like me and you... Deal- no, the website is actually fine. Oh, they have a link to to a, their BlackBerry app. Yes, still they do on here. But and in the Huawei app gallery. Wow, that that's significant. That's pretty a pretty new thing. They're everywhere. This is the only app that I've seen that can like do all of this while streaming from a network source. Again, uh, all FLAC formats are supported. Twenty four bit audio, DSD playback. Uh, you go into the settings and you can enable like this even more accurate um, audio processing engine that is uh, based on 64-bit, which of course it totally works with the with any modern iPhone or iPad. Um, you can get if you go to the uh, audio hardware section, you can do exactly what I wanted to do, which is if I like always respect the frequency of the original file. So some files I have in the FLAC format, other files I have in the DSD format. Most apps, they tend to convert everything to PCM, but I actually want, you know, other people like me will understand what I'm talking about. I always want the source format to be respected when I output it to an external DAC. And Neutron does all of this. So basically, here's my conclusion. It is incredibly ugly, and the UI needs a ton of work. But performance-wise and fun- like functionality-wise, this is everything I wanted. It is incred- It is remarkable mm-hmm. what this app can do while streaming. Again, we're not talking about local files. Streaming from a local network and not putting everything to an external DAC over USB. Um, and you can confirm everything, right? When you play, you can actually see like the frequency and and the and the the kilohertz, you can see the file format, you can see everything in the now playing screen. I did a bunch of blind tests uh, with, you know, playing the sync track from the Walkman and from the iPhone and the iPad going to the Walkman as a DAC. Couldn't tell the difference. It it does everything I wanted. There's actually, of course, and you're going to make fun of me, but there's a forum where people, fellow Neutron Neutron fans uh, can can talk to each other, can can prove to each other that they exist, and they can. Have st- you? I myself have lurked on these forums. I have not posted anything, but it's right. so it's an active development, right. and I'm you know if the developer happens to become aware of this episode, I hope not. I just I had that thought just a second ago, and I. But it's like it's in good fun, right? I mean. They must be aware that the UI is not the prettiest around, right? Well, I hope. I mean, and there's always room for improvement. But once again, it is uh, it is a remarkable piece of audio processing software. Neutron. It is really well done. It lets me do what I want, which is I can control my queue from the iPad Pro while listening to my music collection in the original format that I spend my money on. So I'm happy about that. Uh, it could use a, you know, it could use a bit of work, design-wise. 
that's that's what I'm gonna leave it at. But um, yeah, go to the forums if you're like me. Uh, go to the forums. There's a, you know, it gets real nerdy, uh, of course, in terms of like the features and the things that people talk about. But hey, we're talking about high resolution music. So, uh, Neutron is my pick. So thank you everybody who sent me suggestions for. Neutron. The icon is actually also kind of decent. So, at least on my home screen, uh, I don't see like a like an alien face, like Fubar two thousand. That would have been bad. <laughs> yeah, of the stuff here, except for Cure Buzz, it is yes. the best looking one. But like, it's not an yeah. incredibly so, high bar. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Neutron developer, for putting in the amazing work in terms of. Letting me do exactly what I wanted. And again, the network source integration, super well done. Um, I This is the only app I found that it does it. And if I could wish for one thing, it would be that, like, uh, the, even if you want to leave the UI the way that it is, you know, with the black bars and the giant buttons, at the very least, so please add support for the 12.9 inch iPad Pro so that the app is not just like a giant iPhone version that doesn't even fill the screen. That would be my... Like, if I had to file a single design request, it would be this one. Oh, wait. It doesn't fill the screen? No. No, it really doesn't. It's, it's like what do you squished mean by in that? the middle of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really? it's... <laughs> Send me a screenshot. Because I don't think the App Store screenshots do this justice. Like, I don't really think that it's given me... Well, the real deal is here. I'm opening it on my iPad, and I'm going to take a screenshot, put it inside an iPad frame, and show it to you what I mean. Yeah, I need I need the full... It's like there's a black the border thing, yeah. around it, and the now playing screen, or the list is like a giant iPhone version. It's not an iPhone app in compatibility mode. It's an actual iPad app, but it's just... Yeah. But barely. But barely. <laughs> Yeah, like it doesn't have any sidebars, like usually on the iPad, right? You see like sidebars. No, it doesn't have any yeah. of that. Will it do split view or anything? No, no, no. <laughs> I no, didn't think so. They don't use split no. view. They, I, that's unfortunate, but it's got a queue feature. It's got a playlist feature, so that's good. That's what I wanted. And uh, it was a, honestly like it was a good, uh, it was good for research. It was good for, uh, the screenshot is incoming and y you will see what I mean. It's like, it's bad. Um, but uh, yeah, it works in landscape. Uh, it does, uh, it wrote, <laughs> yeah, you, you got you got oh, it. Dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. This is worse than I thought. And that's a 12.9 inch iPad Pro, right? That's uh That play button is eight <laughs> inches across. <laughs> 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 I know, I know, I know. Oh, it's, it boy. doesn't look good, but while the other apps were also horrible, they also did not work. This one does. So, and it's really, it's like, it, like the closest analogy that I can think of is like, imagine if Overcast, which has got an amazing audio engine, was also incredibly ugly at the same time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this isn't just ugly, though. It's just, like, really... See, it's not just ugly, because I've seen uglier. It's, I don't know, not optimized. It's, like, awkward. Yeah. But at the same time, it costs, like, 
what, $7? And it's incredible. Like, if you care about audio, I see no reason why you shouldn't be getting this app. I mean, you it's got a... Comp- Functionality is the, the most funct- important thing yes. when it comes to yes. audio. It, like, if it, it, it comes with, like, this DSP effect setting screen that, like, it's got an equalizer, it's got a compressor tool. It's It really is incredible. And I cannot stress this enough. But, like, Janus has two faces and represents duality. Yes, Functionality and design. Yeah. And unfortunately, the design phase, you know, more than looking... <laughs> it's, like fun- it's like functionality, design, mm-hmm. price. Yeah. You can only have yeah, two. Exactly. Yeah, so $7, and it's amazing for yeah. what it does, but it looks like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah, so... This has been incredible. Yeah. I was not <laughs> expecting all of this. Nope. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. I had no idea that a simple request on, on a last week's show would do all this. So, we'll do what is probably mm-hmm. an all time segment, <laughs> honestly. Uh, this episode of Connected is brought to you by HREFs. Whether you work for a big brand or run a small business or do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. There's just so much competition out there. Ahrefs is the all-in-one SEO tool set that helps solve that problem. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. If you're like me, SEO is a bit of a black box, and I don't really know what's in the black box, but Ahrefs has made it really easy to see how my website performs, making suggestions of things I can change, and it's, it's so easy to use. I was really impressed. Ahrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, and you can get estimated search volumes with your Keywords Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs has tons of useful stuff, like a content explorer, which can help you get guest blogging opportunities, and Rank Tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. It'll even pick up broken backlinks and help you fix them. Take the mystery out of SEO. Go to hrefs.com right now. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. Get reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move. Whether you have a personal website, you want to get a following on, or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales, head on over to hrefs.com and get that $7 trial. Our thanks to hrefs for the support of Connected and all of Relay FM. Apple is making moves. They have bought Dark Sky. Mm. Who would have guessed that one, huh? Like, seriously, like, it's it's weird. Like, again, you think about it, you try and understand why, and you're like, okay, mm. I can see it. But... You know, if if one, this would have been a double risky pick, you know. Yeah, I would have never thought that. Like, there's a bunch of apps that I could see Apple acquire, but not Dark Sky. Like, I yes, not this one. Like, I, like I'm gonna just gonna say it. I could see Apple say, "We bought LumaFusion, right? Something like that. Something very specific for uh, pro users, mm-hmm. for example. Not Dark Sky. I guess it. Well, we're gonna talk about it. it mm, some interesting implications. Not just for the weather app itself, is it like a weather app, but in terms of like the actual service. Yeah, let me let me break down the news and then we can we can pick it apart a little bit more. So the iOS app is going to remain available to purchase, which feels weird. So as it stands, as it seems like you will still be buying the application, which I mean, fine, but that 
seems odd. Uh, no announced changes to the iOS app of any kind at this point. The Android app, of which Dark Sky had a, I believe, quite popular Android version. In a second, I will check the Play Store for how many downloads they got, unless, Stephen, you want to do that for me in the background. Uh, the Android app has been removed from sale uh, and will be shut down on July 1st. The forecast data, which is on their website, will also be shut down on July 1st. But the Dark Sky API, which powers many weather applications, especially third-party apps on iOS, will be available to developers until the end of 2021. Nobody can sign up now. Like, sign-ups are closed, but it will be kept operational. And all users of the API are now subject to Apple's privacy policy rather than Dark Sky's privacy policy. Over 1 million installs from the Google Play Store. So significant user base, right? Yes. It's going to be at least in the, I would expect, hundreds of thousands of daily users on Android. Shutting the Android app down on July 1st seems a bit petty to me. Um, If the API is going to be remain available until the end of 2021, like, uh, that seems weird. Like, at least have it be functional for people that paid for it. Like, if your API is going to continue. I don't really understand the thinking behind that, honestly. Like, you can say, we will not be updating this application or providing any support for it. But to shut it down when the iOS app is going to be remain available for people to buy and API is available for developers until 2021, like, I don't know why you would be like, no, we're done with that. Like, it just mm. seems a bit weird, but whatever. It is a bit weird. Especially because, like, as you mentioned, the, like, I feel like the API is, the, is the, the most fascinating angle here. And I think there are multiple angles, right? I mean, the obvious one is, oh, Apple wanted to have, wants to build a better, more powerful, maybe, weather app, right? So the iPhone has a built-in weather app, which I have to assume that millions of people check out every day. It's a default. It's on the iPhone. Um, oh, yeah. It's integrated in a bunch of different ways with, like, Siri and the widget and, and maps, even. Uh, so a lot of people use it. And Dark Sky has been consistently, like, I believe, the top, the number one top paid weather app for iPhone for several years at this point. It's very well known and it's very popular, especially, I believe, in the United States because it's, it comes with this weather radar and the uh, rain notifications. Uh, all those. The rain is very good in the UK too. I, I use Dark Sky for, for the rain stuff. Of course, Italy being, you know, infrastructure-wise, behind at least 10 years other countries, we have none of this stuff. But Dark Sky is very popular for its sort of like hyper-local approach to data. So it, again, obvious conclusion, Apple wants to have these features in the weather app. Maybe at the beginning only for the United States. There's plenty of precedents for this, for features that are US only at launch, it wouldn't surprise me if Apple wants to redesign the weather app, which has, you know, had the sort of like realistic design for seven years now. It's pretty it's basic. It's pretty basic. It's real could basic. Could use some love. Not as much love as Neutron, but could use some, right? A modernization, modernization <laughs> of the experience. Now... That's one angle. The other angle is Dark Sky as an entire ecosystem of compatible apps based on the API that they offer to iOS developers, Android developers, and web developers. There's a bunch of services that are based on Dark Sky data. There's a bunch of apps that use it as a data provider, like my favorite weather app, Carrot Weather. There's a bunch of others. 
they use Dark Sky as a data provider. Now, what's going to happen to all those apps, uh, both on the the iOS App Store, but also on the Google Play Store and also on the web? I'm going to go with my obvious scenario here. Apple will, in fact, redesign the weather app to include some of these Dark Sky features. But I could see a scenario where they also offer an API that is an iOS-only API, weather API for developers to create third-party weather clients that are based on the native Apple data provider. And I say this because, especially over the past Mm -hmm. couple of years, we've all heard the stories of how weather apps are notoriously privacy-invasive. Uh, you Google this and you will see the stories of like these weather companies doing some creepy things with ads and tracking users and collecting data, collecting email addresses, stuff that Apple hates. And I could see a scenario where Apple says, okay, look, uh, we got to fix this problem of, you know, people don't want to use our weather app. So that's one side of the problem. The other side of the problem is that people go to the app store and they find all these third-party weather clients, and most of them, they do some creepy things with tracking users that we do not like. What's the solution? And if I were Apple, I would say, well, let's go about this two ways. One way is we actually rethink the weather app, and we make it more useful, so that maybe people are less incentivized, less inclined to go to the app store and find the third-party alternative. But if they really want to, we also offer developers an API to say, well, we don't have to, you know, we're not tracking anybody, we're not doing any creepy things. You use the Apple system, you get good data, but you can provide, you can ship a differently designed weather app for people who don't like the default one. That's an obvious approach to me. Like, you buy Dark Sky, you roll into, you roll into the weather app, but you also make the API available. And the timeline works out, like... When they bought Workflow, for example, in 2017, they left it on the App Store for about a year, year and a half maybe. And the following year, in 2018, we had Shortcuts as a built-in as a built-in app. So I could see something like that. What's interesting to me is the possibility that Dark Sky Data could also remain in its current form as a web-based data provider. The, again, there's precedent for this. You look at Music Kit which is the Apple Music web, web API that allows all kinds of services and products to integrate with Apple Music. You look at also Maps. There's MapKit, which is available on the web via JavaScript, I believe. And you can have Apple Maps embeds on your website, for, exa- for example. I could see, again, an Apple Weather API, WeatherKit, whatever, um, API that continues to be available uh, over the web for other companies to use. Finally, I would say... It's also fascinating to think about the potential of a, of an Apple Maps integration in the in the context of the dark sky radar. Again, I've never had access to this myself in Italy, but I know that it's very popular. I see this this radar screenshots that sometimes Stephen shares with us when mm-hmm. there's like a storm coming over Memphis, and I could see that as like right. becoming sort of like a layer of MapKit, like a new map layer. The developers can can just uh, gain access to or via the native Apple Maps API, and that's it. Like that, that could be interesting. So, uh, a bunch of angles here. I I'm not really sure what to think, uh, it, but I would say I do not expect. And I again could totally be wrong here. I'm not expecting a weather app relaunch this year, but maybe next year. Considering like 
how this how these things went before, maybe we're looking at a 2021 product. I could imagine them changing the data source for iOS 14 to Dark Sky. Yes. So so right now the built-in weather app uses the Weather Channel for its source and. The Weather Channel pulled the plug on a lot of its API stuff for other apps, I think, last year. And, um, uh, yeah, well, actually, 2018. So uh, it is uh, potentially a, a situation where Apple's contract is going to run out as well, and so they can't access that data. And one thing we haven't really talked about is most of these sources charge developers, you know, basically per... Mm-hmm instance you know per pull on the api and so we've seen a lot of weather apps come and go over the years because it's an expensive business to be in that's why carrot weather and others are all on recurring payments because you can't just pay once and expect to stay open you've got to have recurring revenue and so maybe that could also be something apple would do is to help help these third-party providers if they do have an api make it cheaper or, or even free I could see them integrating the dark sky stuff into the weather app and then maybe doing a, a more full redesign later. There's not even a radar in the basic, uh, you know, iPhone weather app. And uh, that's something that a lot of people, including myself, really want. Um, but we should talk about how it could impact third-party apps. They have until the end of 2021, until the API goes away. And again, we're hopeful that it just changes that Apple has something. But Carrot Weather and, and other apps use this. And so the way I use Carrot Weather is I have my forecast data from AccuWeather, but I have Dark Sky providing, you know, the hyper local, it's going to rain on your block in 10 minutes type stuff. And you can combine them, Weatherline and some others do this as well. And so all of those developers are going to need to find alternative sources. And it's just one fewer options, you know, after the Weather Channel pulled out and after some others have pulled out or gone away, it's becoming a smaller and smaller set of data sources they can go to. So I think Apple has an opportunity to do something here. I, the question is just, will they do it or not? Mm. See, like for me, uh, I use Carrot Weather and I use Dark Sky, and I'm a I'm a I'm on like the paying monthly thing. But mm-hmm. I would have to upgrade my membership to change away from Dark Sky. Yeah, I, I pay for the big boy one. I mean, I don't need more than that, and Dark Sky works great for me. And I'm assuming that, you know, it would be interesting to see what happens, but maybe it's just a case of, like, they chose one, and they'll have to choose a different one, and then that will be the tier one, you know, like, going forward. Um, but I would expect a lot of develop- web app developers probably won't change anything for a while, because if Apple does provide this API, then it will be... It won't be a thing for them anymore. Mm-hmm. In fact, it will make their business way better, in theory, if they're able to use it in the same way that they use the current data, right? Because then they won't have to pay at all for these uh, sources if they don't want to. Right. But this, this, I find this whole thing very interesting because if Apple, I mean, we're all presuming good here, but like, what if Apple just doesn't do that? Yeah, yeah. They're just like, yeah, we don't care. <laughs> like you have until next year or like they say we have an api but it is incredibly simple like you can embed yeah. our weather view yeah. inside of your app which is what the map one is right like you just show apple maps views it's not like you can take that data and do stuff with it i don't believe that's the you case could probably do some like um you look at for example the shortcuts actions for maps and you could do things like calculate 
a distance or travel time, right? You can get some data out of it mm -hmm. without necessarily showing you a map uh, view. But yes, it's, I, I don't think it's as extensive as Google Maps, for example. And it is very possible that Apple will just like, oh man, we need a data source. All right, let's just buy one. Yeah. Great, done. Like they're not even <laughs> thinking about having this API for people. Well, I would, I would be surprised if, you know, when doing their due diligence, it hasn't come out. Like, uh, by the way, we do have th like 5,000 developers <laughs> accessing the APIs. So what are we going to do about that? I don't know. It would be... Hmm. Right, but, but Apple could just say, well, you're not the only game in town. End of story. They could. Right? The, yeah. And, and it's within their rights to do that. It's not like Dark Sky is the only weather source. There are many, many more, and it's not. I don't think that it should be considered Apple's responsibility no. mm -hmm. here to do this. They don't have to make a, an API for the third-party developers that use it, because there are other ones. If like if if Dark Sky were the only service, then we're talking. No, this is different, right? But they're mm -hmm. not, so they don't have to. It would be great if they did, but they don't have to because really is in, in apple's best interest to just make the best weather app like that's what they should be aiming for anyway and so they just put their focus on that and not an api i don't know good times weather drama it's always the best i do i do want to very quickly just say like reminds me of apple maps right like what if what if just like the new apple weather sucks right <laughs> it's like well then what you know, I don't like because uh, the thing is, it's like, well, as Federico's pointed out, like Dark Sky isn't available for him. So where's the weather source coming from for Italy in the Apple weather app? Mm. If this is going to be their data source. Yeah, exactly. Like that. I, I, I never used Dark, Dark Sky because it was like it was useless for me. Can they expand internationally? Does Apple really want to install a bunch of weather stations around the world? I mean, we've seen crazier things, right? It's not... It is within the realm of possibility that Apple actually also wants to install a bunch of weather stations or maybe the simpler solution, cut some deals with other weather providers to get their data mm -hmm. into their whatever new system they're working on. I mean, I, I have used Dark Sky in in other countries and it seems to be fine like i think they have some level of coverage everywhere but i don't know if it's the best coverage everywhere you know yeah and also like they're pointing out a uh, good point in the chat room that dark sky itself is not like a, a source of its own they actually aggregate a bunch of different sources including i believe like government like official government sources we have some of those in italy uh they aggregate the data and they have algorithms based on machine learning and all those fancy terminology that they do their best uh guess in terms of like it's gonna rain in five minutes and something like that so that's also very much true there's also that aspect of what about all the other companies that were dealing with dark sky before and now they're dealing with apple so i don't know so before we wrap up uh federico it, you, you've got some big stuff going on over there this week with your uh mac stories coverage of the ipad mm -hmm. at 10 years old now you may think to yourself listener wait a second <laughs> Didn't this just happen? It's like yes and no. Lots of we, lots of people, including us on this show, every week were celebrating the iPad ten years after introduction, which is in January. But this week, the end of this week, uh, marks the shipping right of the the iPad 
to customers. Uh, was it on? Was it the third? April third. April third. When was the actual date? April third was the availability date. So, uh, Federico, you mentioned it then at the time. I remember that you were saving a lot of your big coverage for now. Um, so, can you give people like a, uh, a a taste of what they should be expecting this week at Max Stories and what they can already go and check out? Well, our plan was to actually wait for the iPads official release date before uh, sharing anything. There's a, we've created a page where you can go and, and see all the iPad 10 stories that we prepared. There's a bunch already. That have, so as we're recording this on Wednesday, there's uh, four, I want to say, of the, three, four of them. Uh, we had mm. on Monday uh, a retrospective uh, from John about the history of the iPad. So the evolution of the iPad over the course of a decade. So the first few years and then the, you know, the struggles in the middle and then what happened after the iPad Pro. We had a really excellent accessibility story by Stephen Aquino about how the iPad sort of revolutionized um, special education and and the apps that have made it possible for like kids with autism for example to 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 be able to communicate to learn how to communicate really beautiful story Ryan, uh, Ryan also did a, a series of interviews with uh, developers of iPad apps about the whole story of uh, creating apps for the tablet 10 years ago and then the evolution of the iPad and iPadOS and multitasking. And just today, we have published a roundup of, I believe, 24, 25 of the most um, important in the context of, like, we called it the most impactful uh, iPad apps of the decade. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, weird, fun stuff still coming up until Saturday. Um, so there's going to be a story from John that I bet a bunch of people are not expecting. Um, there's going to be a story from me hmm. that uh, I can. Ch- I just finished writing it uh, today. It's about ten thousand words, uh, so it's a very long one. Uh, it's a very in-depth one, and it's quite possibly the weirdest. Thing I've ever written about the iPad, about all the crazy and fun things that I do with my iPad Pro. Lots of kickstands, kickstands and keyboards and displays, it's and flack, and flack. <laughs> Neutron, my boy, Neutron is in there. Uh, Neutron fam, <laughs> represent. Is it, Neutron is in there? Oh boy, did you pick that up from the forum? That's what we call ourselves. Yes, uh, the Neutron fam. Uh, so it, it's definitely it's a fun one. It's should come out in a couple of in a few days it basically aggregates a bunch of things that i've talked about on various podcasts over the past couple of years all in one place so it's you know and of course it talks about the new stuff with the pointer and the trackpad in 13.4 and all the new things and apps it's it's a i actually loved working on this story um so yeah uh, i think by the end of this process we will have something like uh seven eight stories on the site each looking at the first decade of ipad from a different angle there's also going to be i'm working on something special for club members to do some other crazy things with usb and the ipad um i hope that it'll be technically possible to share this so stay tuned in max Voice weekly also later this week it's been a lot of work but I'm super happy that we did this um, because we never, you know, it's always fun when we get to share like these special events on Mac Stories and we each get to write about some, like a different angle of a particular topic. So it's, it's been fun, you know, and, and these kinds of anniversaries, 10 years is a, is a big deal, I think. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward to digging into all of these stories. I'm saving a few of them up. It's good quarantine content, but I'm especially excited <laughs> for your weird story. 
because I want to get some get your, some tips, get, some hardware tips get, from you. And get I'm your sure weird on, be some. Mike. <laughs> yeah, that, boy, do I love it. You know, split RGB keyboard over here, like a uh huh, two pointing devices at once. I, I, I want to get some weird stuff. Two of them. <laughs> Can I just share one one little thought that I had a couple of days ago? I think it was while I was listening to App Stories. You referenced that like the iPad came out in 2010 and then the first iPad Pro came mm. out in 2015 and it made me think, oh, it's like five years and now we're five years since then. And then I thought to myself, oh, like, so we had the original iPad, then the iPad changed a lot when the iPad Pro came out, right? Like it made a massive change to mm -hmm. the iPad as a product. And I think now, five years later in 2020, the Magic Keyboard and the trackpad support is going to be another right. massive change. Yeah. And I just thought that was, it was just interesting to me. It's like every five years we've had a big thing now. And I just thought that was funny. Hey guys, I got to I got to go sign for my thing. I'll be right back. Yeah. You guys just hang out. Then I'll come back and edit. Yeah. We'll just wait for you. Yeah. That, that was my thought. Yeah. It's, um, like it. and we haven't even seen iPadOS 14 yet. So what, what what's that going to do? What, what new kinds of, but I think even without iOS 14, just just that, that trackpad yep. support is such a big change because of what it's going to do for a lot of people's perceptions of the iPad as a platform. I think that's the important part of it, really, is like, I think it will open up the iPad as a viable alternative to people that just wrote it off because it didn't have a yep. uh, trackpad, right? People were just like, I could never do that. I mm -hmm. couldn't touch. I don't want to touch yep. the screen to do all my work. Yep. Those numbers updates are real good, though. Numbers and pages. Very nice. Played around with it this morning. I love that they have those custom pointers uh, when you want to resize an image or yes. cell. It's very well done. You can hold down command and the pointer changes again. So there's also support for modify oh, so your good. keys in addition to the pointer, which is... The hovering over the cells. It's yeah. all really nicely done. Come on, Google. Give me an update to Google Sheets. Yep. Come on, I believe in you. I believe in you. So in, in, in the story that I will publish, uh, y there's going to be one section where I believe... I, I think a bunch of, you know, old-school Mac people will lose their minds. I shared an, an excerpt of that with you guys a few days ago, and uh, the, it's, it's, it's fun. I do this, but not to mm -hmm. the level that you do it. Uh, so I, you know, so even I was like, "Oh boy, <laughs> that's quite it's quite a level you've gone to there just to get around something, right?" But it's it's, yeah, it's thank great. You. It's uh, really great. I will be taking pictures and I will be editing, and hopefully sh should be out should mm. be out very soon. Um, but yeah, it was fun. And uh, after this, honestly, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I guess I'm gonna wait for the magic keyboard, and I have a backlog of shortcuts to make. Doesn't help that shortcuts is still so buggy for me. So uh, it was good that we that we had this special event planned because otherwise I'm not sure what I'm going to write about next. Hi. That was all content for the show, by the way, Stephen. So everything that we've spoken about from when you've been gone. We know that you leave during the show, so we just went with it. We, we're used to it. Yeah, so we, we, we're we used to it by now. Things oh, boy. Just filling oh. in the gaps when you're gone. Yet another instance of Stephen leaving. As if as if we needed more proof. 
At least this time you've been a gentleman, though. You actually re- communicated that to us. And it was actually very legitimate on-topic conversation yes. about the iPad. So like, we weren't talking yeah, about yeah, like yeah. Animal Crossing. Uh-huh. We'll see. No, it genuinely was. <laughs> no, he, I, I, he's going to listen to make sure I know. He's going to listen. I'm a good editor. So, but that will only prove that we were correct, and we shouldn't be the ones that are doubted. Steven's the one that should be doubted. Okay, well, let me wrap up the show, and then I can get to the okay. edit, and then we'll see. So mm-hmm. I think that does it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you want to find links to uh, a bunch of weird iPad and iPhone music apps and a bunch of other stuff, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 288. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can also become a member and support the show directly there. There's a link there in the sidebar. We'd appreciate that. If you want to find us online, we do exist outside of the podcast. You can find Federico on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And of course, the editor-in-chief of Mac Stories. Dot net and uh, the iPad at 10 stuff is really spectacular. Seriously, go check that out. Um, y'all, are, y'all are killing it this week. It's great. Thank you. You can find Mike on Twitter as iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And you can find Mike across a wide variety of shows here on Relay FM. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing at 512pixels.net. I thank our sponsors this week, PDF Pen from Smile, Pingdom, and Ahrefs. Until next week, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.